0: All right, Steve, we are back with another episode of The Work Week After Hours, and this one is a special one. This one is kind of a trial run for us, if you will. Uh, We are doing this one live here on LinkedIn, Steve.
1: Yeah, it's our unveiling, our The Big Reveal, if you will. You know, We've been talking about The Big Resignation. Now it's The Big Reveal, and yeah, I'm excited. Let's go live. Let's see how, how it goes. People who've been following us, probably no. we don't edit these at all and uh maybe we'll figure out technology at some point do some editing but it's raw and it's uncut and we're really yeah there's so much to talk about this week and i feel like my feed has been full of new stories and and new things going on
0: absolutely i I guess before we get into that you know i I often wonder you know you were at linkedin back way back in the early days and now here you are as a as a consumer as a civilian out here mm-hmm. in the in the in the <laughs> in the in the non-corporate office world um it's kind of wild now that you're using the platform in a very different way than what you were building you know not that long ago but in the in the age of technology it's a long time ago um it's kind of wild i think it's kind of wild it is wild
1: and you know having sat in i was there what 2009 through 2012 so just shy of 4 years I never imagined there'd be some sort of live feature like this. I mean, one of the things, and you and I talked about this a few episodes ago, I did feel that the way that the resume mutating into a LinkedIn profile, uh, the way that was going was going to be sort of a live, um, call it a movie trailer about who you are when you go apply for a job instead of just a one-dimensional you know, profile. And we'd always added, hey, you can put a video in here. But we're starting to see, and this is sort of a transition technology, people are going to have more context on you as a person and as a candidate, as a business partner, or associate, if they can see you live in action, right? And that's something you can't really get in an interview. So it's a, it's a pretty cool new dimension.
0: Hey, so one of the things that we're going to have this episode, um, and we've already got Jack um jack lawlin just talked to someone about the great resignation about 10 minutes ago go figure so that's (laughs) awesome so we got we got we have we have people out there this is good we're gonna have questions so anybody watching this there might be a bit of delay for when you see it to where we are just of of how things are with technology so if you ask a question just give us just a second and we'll do our best to kind of circle that in with the conversation of what we're going to talk about today. And like you said, we don't we don't edit these things. One of the feedbacks that we've gotten continuously of we just they just love the the casual approach to the conversation to kind of sit and you know riff on some stuff happening in uh in the technology world. So um one of the things that I find interesting um is I think this week, let's dive into uh this whole notion or the question, I guess, um, that has been brought up about, can you have culture in a work-from-home environment?
1: It's so timely. Uh, let me share with uh, listeners a really interesting experience I had just yesterday, like less than 24 hours ago, talking to a firm who is concerned that uh, they weren't the senior leaders, but their senior leaders were leaning towards bringing everyone back into the office, and and uh, so we got to talking about well, why are they why are they wanting to do that? And I heard why they didn't want it to happen, but why are they doing that? And where we kind of landed, Shane, was that this company has some very beautiful buildings, they have some great perks, they have some great on-site benefits, and as we got into it, what they Started to understand is that their senior leaders were uncomfortable that they are going to be forfeiting assets that had been very helpful, recruiting talent. They're building their facilities, are gorgeous. On-site childcare, beautiful cafeterias, no longer a relevant source in attracting and retaining talent, which is was a big part of their the culture the vibe. Being there was really great. And now they're nervous around how to realize the same recruiting and retention objectives that they'd had before without having these assets. So it's kind of game on. And so on one dimension, this is the part of this whole pandemic, which I find fascinating and challenging so hard is we sold people to join us because of our culture, which was almost always tied to at least some physical assets. right? And now we don't have those. And we weren't really prepared for that. Yeah. And that's hard. You know, I've got a lot of gra- gravitas, a lot of grace for companies that are trying to struggle with this one. But how do we think about that? Because if you strip it down, Shane, our culture is this right here. You and me. You're yeah. my boss. I work for you. That's my cultural experience with the company now in front of a screen for many people. Now, that's not all people. Obviously, there's a lot of frontline yeah. workers still still back there. But that how how's that for culture from, yeah. you know, things and places to interactions entirely
0: yeah i mean do you you think it's safe to say i mean i think i think the people like yourself the people who've really spent their life's work um to try and create a better work environment a better future of work i think it's always been kind of understood that um you know company culture isn't the ping pong tables and the beer on tap. And those are, mm-hmm. those are perks more than they are at the actual culture. Now I think from the outside looking in, it's definitely been sold as part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not, but I think you realize you quickly realize, and I'm sure the people at Google have, there's no doubt the people at Facebook have, you quickly realize that that's not what's going to keep people right. That's not mm-hmm. what's going to get people to do their best work. Does it enable an environment? Um, you know, yes. I mean, I'll tell you this, I'll, this is strictly my opinion. Um, and my observation, I, I visited Google. Um, this was probably six, seven, eight years ago, probably had a family member that was working there. He said, Hey, stop in, you know, just park anywhere. Um, you know, which is a whole nother wild story in itself. But, Mm -hmm. um, but, but we he showed me all the things that they have. And I remember thinking. They don't like, these aren't just perks. They're creating an environment to where you don't even have to leave. And that was very like, it was like, I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. Right. So Mm -hmm. in some ways it's like, what now do you have to make this colossal shift? And we talked about, you know, Google on our last episode about the payment calculator and those things, again, they have the behavioral data to understand those things Is there, you know, now all of a sudden, if 30% of your staff now is no longer in office, like from a culture standpoint, how do we reinvest those funds or how do we reinvest that financially into things? And I don't know, like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, like you said, it's like you, like it's been, it was sold this thing and now it's like, how do we sell it? And the good and, and, and the, I I won't even say good. I'll say the great leaders will will have it figured out. They'll figure it out pretty quickly. They'll figure out because they know their people. they they're in tune. Do you think that's fair to say?
1: I think we're seeing more experimenting starting to take place than we've had before. And yeah, I do think ultimately we're gonna we're gonna figure it because we have to figure it out. Um, but you know the the part of this conversation, you know, is not deep in culture, but it is definitely contributing to the conversation. I mean, environment is part of the culture and the environment of where you do what you do. I mean, work isn't where you go now, it's what you do. And I th- I think part of the struggle for some has been, uh, I want to show you, I care about you. So look at these beautiful things that I am providing you. And that was a statement. Whether it was you know, hollow, whether there was merit to it, I still think those companies, great buildings, Close to public transit and all these other things, designed to bring you to where you do traditionally, where you did work, uh, was part of an organization's, you know, um, arsenal to to prove to you, hey, well, you know, you you really are important. Like, look, we're not just slamming you into some sweatshop here. We're putting money on the table to demonstrate to you. Now, now that hasn't been part of the, the asset now. Now, now there's really. Got to be meaningful interaction to build that uh, recognition among the employees. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, and yeah. we're we're. I mean, I've seen everything from experimenting with online games, experimenting with um, intentional downtime, like I've intentional nap time, intentional day. You know, don't don't even come to work today. Uh, I mean, don't even log in today. To you know, lots of different measures companies are trying to take. And I think it's great, you know, great, great to experiment. But some businesses are nervous, Shane, because let's say you're in the investment community. You're managing people's money. You can't be playing around with some in some sort of cultural experiment here. Like we we got an obligation, like we got to deliver good returns or we're toast. And I don't want my customers thinking I'm playing around with this whole back to work thing.
0: Yeah. So Wall Wall Street is known for let's just call it what it is wall street is known from a work culture standpoint of work you until you die right like mm-hmm. we're gonna work we're gonna work non-stop we're gonna work crazy hours we're gonna like you're gonna be like you know that the financial even i think in you know, i think in i think in japan and I, I remember seeing like like these guys get two or three hours and they you know they're going to get something to eat and sleeping in the restaurant and then going back in so right. your money It's because the perception of you making me money is somehow tied to you spending 18 hours straight in the office, right? It's like this, it's Mm -hmm. this, it's this perception of what it is. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I I often wonder, you know, I I put my, I sometimes put myself in the shoes of if I had a team now, what would I go through? What would I do with those things? And, you know, I guess it's real easy to play, you know, leader in these times, but to actually have the financial, you know, financial sheet in front of you, have the investors, have the board, you know, have the public perception, you know, all those mm-hmm. different things. Like it's not easy. It's not easy. And creating that culture is, it's gonna. I think, I think experimentation is probably the best prescription for all of it in a lot of ways. Right.
1: And, and, you know, I want to ask, I want you to share with me and with the audience, cause we never had this conversation when you were your first time CEO you know, when did that, that bell go off or maybe you knew of going into it from prior life experiences, some of what you shared in some of the episodes that, you know, how we do what we do really, really matters and and why culture is important. I mean, being in the HR world, it's kind of like air, like you got to breathe it. Like if you don't get that in HR, and unfortunately some people don't, then you're in big trouble. But, you know, I've heard it referred to as culture is who you hire and who you fire, like who behavior you don't tolerate and who you ask to leave is a real cultural moment. Uh culture is def- is you know what people say when others aren't listening, you know. Um and culture it, you know is it, defined in lots of different ways. For me it's it's pretty simple. It's you know what is the environment that we can produce that will deliver the best outcome for the company and and the employees. Hopefully, you know, both. Like yeah. what is that you yeah. know, it's the rules, it's the lack of rules, it's the place you do work, it's the hierarchy or lack of hierarchy, it's the communication, who's shared, who's invited, what titles you use, all these things. Yeah. There's a language and a code that you create. And I tell first-time CEOs all the time when they say, well, we're starting to think we should, you know, we should start defining our culture. And I said, "You, how long have you been around? They're like, <laughs> oh, we started this about a year ago. You already have one. And they said, yeah. what do you mean? Well, what do you wear when you show up at the office? Uh-huh. Do you bring animals to the office how what hours do you work who's who are you sharing information with that's starting to define whether you it's not about writing something that's going to be a poster on the wall that's the wrong yeah. outcome yeah but um and and I also believe you know in this and I just want to have this get this out of the way so we can kind of dive into it because we can debate what culture is and there is no right answer i think it's just what environment you know norms produce the best uh, the best possible outcomes um but, but I do think that it's something today that if I'm hiring uh, younger talent, talent earlier in the career curve, I think what they want is to build culture, not to be told what it is. And I, I used to be scared by, by that notion. Like, Oh, I better, you know, I'm, I'm the seasoned HR executive. Yeah, yeah. I better yeah. tell them what it is. And I found when I gave that up, when I gave that right to define the culture to my employees, we almost always landed in the same place. Good company, want to work with good people on leading edge technology. I want to grow. I want to make an if- impact. I want to make a difference. And I want to have a life. It's like, okay, me too. So let's come on in and do it. And I think this is the trap we talked about a few episodes ago where if senior leaders think it's on them to have to do, go to the mountain and write on the tablets, I think you're gonna miss. You're yeah. definitely gonna miss. And if yeah. you, and you invite people to be part of it, yeah. you're gonna be and, successful. and
0: maybe and maybe you, maybe you don't feel the miss right because the bigger company, when you're the guy, you don't really feel the small big losses. Meaning the really good people in this department or this your best person in this department, you may not feel that at you know at you know a a LinkedIn or a Google or a Facebook. But um, you know you asked you asked kind of how. On my end, like what I like, I I, there's some things I learned really quick about being a first time CEO in regards to culture. Um, one, what I learned is the there there were, there was so, so I, so I don't care if um, I don't know if you want me to share like some of the failures and what I learned and how to kind of figure this out, but we, I learned that there were two traits that were successful. Unfortunately, I learned that there was a second one that aligned with the first one a little bit late in the process, right? One was altruistic. Most we were helping kids achieve opportunities to get scholarships to play sports. So it took a very altruistic person to have to want to do that, to want to be a part of something of helping someone change their life. Um, Mm -hmm. what I didn't learn and I, and I understand the psychology of it now until I was halfway in through doing this is that has to also be paired with somebody who is highly motivated to help themselves. And I don't mean as in like, like, like self-help. I mean, like they want to be successful, meaning way more people are altruistic that are okay. Just kind of putting it on cruise control and not being driven by KPIs and, you know, and, and, and also personal success and personal growth financially and successfully Mm -hmm. within a business. So you know, so what I was doing, I was just, I wasn't, I wasn't looking for that piece. I w in the early days, I was just looking for the altruistic piece of, Mm -hmm. I had a, I had a, uh, I think like a Colby assessment where I, you know, they did, and I wanted to understand what motivated them, what drove them. And yeah, I learned that. And once we learned that, once we learned that they also needed a piece of not just want to help people. A lot of people out there genuinely want to help people. They genuinely want to be an altruistic person, but to have that piece to where just a notch down, they're like, look, I'm okay with helping everybody else, but I want to get mine too. Like, I want, Mm -hmm. you know, I I want that. And that is the, was the mix for what we were doing in, you know, in that. And yeah, I mean, I screwed up and tried a lot of things like, um, we traveled a lot around the world, so I would hire someone Mm -hmm. and then we would go on a trip to Australia or New Zealand for three weeks at a time. First couple of people I hired, they love that. They're like, "Oh man, we get to go to for free to Australia, New Zealand, and work and meet these mm-hmm. people and be gone for three weeks. This is great." And then I ran into a couple people after those first three, and they were like, "Yeah, I mean, that's cool, but you know, I got some personal issues going on at my house, or you know, I've got some different things here, and this just isn't going to work." Um, mm-hmm. So you just, you know, it's it's that trial and error. So it kind of goes back to you know that process of now how like does that like i almost wonder if those like off sites now become part of culture right so like mm-hmm. if you've got this huge remote company now or you've got now 500 staff in these two departments that are now remote does is that like do you, is that the is that the is that the knee jerk easy move to help start building the culture mm-hmm. or you know what i'm saying it's like what like what's the What's the right. low hanging fruit that you can go to to kind of, kind of, kind of lift this culture up again? Right. right.
1: Well, let me first, um, because I can't stop my brain from working. Be your human resource leader <laughs> in the situation that you're facing. Yeah. Because what you learn is what everyone's struggling with right now, um, which is a great lesson. Which is my hiring decisions um, have yielded um, some unintended results. Like I've got some people that. They I the spec I was hiring to, they met the spec, but now that they're in here, they're not showing me some dimensions that now I'm aware I need to have informed that. So the quest the the fork in the road for you at that point is can I grow that in them? Can I can I create a culture where people are hungrier, curious, have the growth mindset, you know, in addition to this this altruistic dimension that you that you spoke to. So and that's where some companies struggle, like hey. That's the kind of profile that we want to build. Those are the kinds of you know, people we want. To what extent can we provide an environment that fosters that? And to what extent is that dependent on us recruiting? But here's, this, here's the hard part that COVID's delivered. I don't know if my profile of a successful employee has just changed. My hunch is yeah. probably, but how? What kind yeah. of person... In my company, in the way we're going to work, and we still don't really know what that is yet because we're experimenting with iterations of hybrid and home and in the office some days, we still don't know, really know what our long term is, which has really got to be so unbelievably intolerable for many CEOs. Like, I know I have to sort of meet the needs of a new, you know, employee demographic. I got to get some results. I, I'm just going to make a call. I don't have time to be, you know, hand holding people through all this stuff because we've got thousands of people, but also they've got to recognize we have new ways that we're going to have to create value. And how is our, how is our culture changed? And how is our profile of the person who's going to thrive here changing? And we've, Always had one of those three or four things change, but now all of them change. All of them at once, yeah. It's it's not fair. It's really yeah. not fair. But yeah. that's why we're in this really weird spot. That's why my phone's ringing off the hook. Steve, how should we handle this? How are you yeah. thinking about it? And I almost have to say, listen, just step back. Do you have the call map on your phone? Like flip it open, <laughs> take a breath. Your, comp- your competition, I promise you, is having the same problem you are. You don't have to land this perfectly. Let's just start and try to get a little bit ahead of where your competition is. So
0: so so I'm glad you hit on that cuz historically and that's and I think that's the differentiator when we're dealing in competitive markets with competitive companies is sometimes internally now we're dealing with a problem and our competitor doesn't know it and if they're to find out they might get an advantage on us. So they might take well right now it's okay to be transparent about it. It's okay to be experimental about it because everybody's going through it. No one no like so it it, it, it it should almost be freeing in some ways. And, and you and I have, you and I have seen that we've been on the phone with some CEOs and they're like, ah, uh, I've got all the answers and this is what we're going to do. And then we've been on the phone with some CEOs and they're like, I don't know squat. So if you can just help jar some things loose and just get people mm-hmm. thinking that would be great. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's a different, you know, now I think some of that is knowing your company, but I think some of that also is being open to, you know, things are different and, you know, can can so 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 to kind of reframe the question then we've got a couple of questions that have kind of come in um do you think and and it's a high level I, I I realize that there's multifacets to this do you think culture in a remote work can be a like a a, a, a an, an advantage for a company I think I think I, I don't want to lead you here but like mm-hmm. Can the companies who figure it out, do they, once they figure it out and it's still early, it's still super early. Mm -hmm. Once Mm -hmm. they figure it out, do you think that's a competitive advantage in the hiring world?
1: hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't even need to think about that. And yeah. and it's not an all or none choice. Yes. It's a, yes, yes. you know, it's a, it doesn't mean your whole everyone and not all jobs are going to work that way. That some, you know, I'm an extrovert. I want to be around people hugging and high fiving. I don't yeah. want to be at home, but some days I definitely do. And I love the freedom that I tasted and, and I'm projecting, but hundred percent that I think there's ways and and think and and what was the hottest thing before the pandemic diversity, inclusion yeah. equity, and inclus- yeah. inclusiveness yeah. Wow, think about it now. How many organizations had people who are important in remote places not feeling like they're part of the conversation now they're part of the conversation. how many people were in a meeting in person and didn't feel that was bringing out their their best and now in a new domain, they can do it. So I think the diversity inclusion agenda has been given an opportunity of a lifetime here. Yeah. And shame on us if we don't take take advantage of that. So relative 100%. to you know diminishing bias, including more people, and I had a debate with uh, with with our friend Barbie on a on a webinar, Barbie Graver, who's just an outstanding expert on remote work. And I was like, oh, Barbie, I'm really worried about you know the the muscle, the informal moments when people's guards are down for there to be creative opportunities, right? Yep. Yep. And she's like, you mean like at the water cooler? I'm like, yeah, yeah, those. She goes, the water cooler was always flawed, Steve. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, it was kind of based on who sat near the water cooler or who went to the water cooler. And it wasn't an equal footing. I was like, whoa, I never yep. Yep. thought about it that way. Thank yep. you for, for shaking my tree a little bit. And she's right. And so I think we have a huge opportunity to be able to, to create something better, and every executive should be inviting that opportunity right now. Everyone, yeah. and,
0: and, and that statement makes sense about it being flawed. Meaning, like you know, our, your your small talk only happens within the people that you're comfortable and in including in the small talk, right? So, mm-hmm. like it's only you know, uh, when you and I have a personal conversation, it's typically not just me and you. Now, your wife might be an earshot, and my wife might be an earshot, and when we get off, there may be some chiming in. That occurs based off of the perception of that but yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's you know you know what i'm saying so like in the in 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 an office you know it's oh we're you know the huddles and we you know we've all the different terms that we've heard about it so that that makes that makes right. total sense that makes right total you know sense. i had
1: a uh have had a mentor um uh, work for him bob bailey ceo of pmc sierra when i was there and he and I were in a bit of a text exchange last night and this morning. He's like, hey, star your saw your stuff on the great resignation. Here's a few articles. He said, but you know, there's part of the conversation that, you know, he wanted to weigh in on, which I haven't talked about as much as I should. And he was sort of encouraging me to sort of look at this holistically from a CEO's perspective, which has been, you know, the last 20 years of his working life. He's he now sits on, on a few boards um and advises a bunch of people. But he's like any good work is, there's reciprocity. You know, the company's got to be in, but the employee's got to be in too. And that's got to be a fit that both needs are getting served, right? I'm going to count on you, the employee, to serve. And the company, employee, you got to count on the company's going to serve you. And I feel like the conversations I've seen on the pandemic have swung to the employee's got the power. And they've been missing out on that power, and they're going to take full advantage. Like I have more leverage professionally than I've ever had before. But I was thinking about it when Bob's point, and I think it's a really good one, which is how do leaders? And this this carries right to the wheelhouse of culture. How do leaders know you're committed? How do they know you're in? How do they know? And and maybe you don't need to be committed and be all in to do good work. I don't know. Some, some people. I mean, I've had points in my life where I was you know not that motivated but i was delivering you know mm-hmm. value um and we all we all ebb and flow at different points in different organizations but that's got to be something hard culturally for leaders right now like i i'm used to be able to measure the experience and the investment that my team has and now the the normal ways that i do that are have just been detached, disabled. Yep. I don't have them anymore. Yep. Uh, and I think culturally that's got to be a, a bit of a struggle. Um, and how do we do that in a way that's not going to add to this burnout that everyone's starting to feel, you yep. know?
0: Yeah, no. And I think, and I think it's, I think, you know, it's, it's funny you talk about measuring it. I even think it's like, I don't even know you, I don't even think in this environment you can even gauge like revenue and sales and, you know, financial performance even as as a as a gauge because the market's so skewed right now like there's mm-hmm. so like you know we're still not completely open and now we're going back so it doesn't mean that just because you put a new policy in four weeks ago and now everybody's sentiment just got totally turned upside down because the delta variant's now taken off again and now right. all of a sudden your production's down but that's not because you know what i'm like there's so many variables that are playing a part of this and you 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 have to i think i think i think i'm obviously in no place to to give anybody you know definitive action but i think you have to be very open-minded and you have to almost start playing a little bit of a longer game with some of these changes and experiments otherwise you can't knee jerk reaction to something that the market's shifted or the COVID shifted Mm or yeah, because it's all of a sudden, you know, uh, we, I mean, you and you and I have literally heard this in the last two days where companies, you know, people are telling us that are bringing you in to come talk to these companies. And they're saying, well, you know, we were told six months ago we were going to be in the office and now we're not in the office. And now they're telling us it's going to be another six months. And to be honest, we don't even know when it's going to be. It may not even be Mm -hmm. like, you can't like, That's not like I understand as an individual contributor, as the, you know, everyday employee in the business, I understand how that can cause you to have some negative sentiment towards leadership. But the reality of it is, is shit, they don't know either. They're trying to figure it out. You know, they're Mm -hmm. trying to wrap their head around it. And, you know, it's just being like, we got to be like the culture. If we're going to have one remote takes both parties, right? right? It takes, it takes two people. And, and like you said, it's what we have. And ironically, it is what we have. You and I developed it. We, you and I started this arrangement in the middle of COVID, having never met, completely remote. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. Now we've, now we have, we had a, we had a retreat. We had a retreat where, you know, sh- Shane, mm-hmm. Shane came out your way for a week, mm-hmm. uh-huh. but, but we we're intentional about, our culture. We're intentional about checking in. We're intentional about not just making it always a business conversation when we have in. Right.
1: And the interesting thing is we never said we're having a culture conversation. And no. let's let's I mean, maybe we should even step back for a second and say, why do we even care? Why does culture even freaking matter? Yep. Right. Like, who cares? I agree. Right. And I'm I, you know, everyone probably assumes, oh, you're the HR guy. Of course you care. Like, no, I don't really. I mean, I want to win. OK, that's what 100%. I want to do. Hundred percent, a freaking win. And I had this debate with my human resource team. And I used to play this game, and it was a little, a little bit uh, uh, unexpected for a lot of the candidates I was, I was interviewing. I said, it, um, "What is HR's goal? Are we here to make people happy?" And a lot of times we go, "Oh yeah." I go, "Nope." Eh, wrong answer. We're not here to make people happy. We're here to win. It just so happens happier people tend to win more. But the goal is not happy. The goal is winning. And this is where I feel people get tangled up in culture or tangled up in just engagement. Engagement doesn't mean you have high engagement doesn't mean there's happy employees. It 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 generally means more people are happy than unhappy, but the goal is not happy. The goal is to win and that means hard conversations. That means talking about difficult stuff. That means having an environment where people feel you know it is okay to talk about the elephant in the room right that's what it's about and so why do you want a culture you want a culture because you're going to deal with tough stuff guaranteed you're not expecting and you better be ready to deal with it and if we have some norms around what how to deal with it good and i'll tell yeah. you a, fun, a funny story we at some point like 6 years in at linkedin we're like hey you know we should probably just we're all, all the all the general executive team were relatively new i was the last one in the door after uh, jeff Wiener started and and he was really not a huge fan of culture because he's seen more harm that had been done by someone holding the, the cultural baton or dripping yeah. themselves in culture. And then an executive team did the exact opposite of what the espoused culture values were. But we, you know, we, get, we got together and said, well, let's, let's do a refresh. And one of the things that we felt really important to us was open and honest. People need to be open and honest. And everyone's like, oh yeah, definitely. So, okay, let's write that down, open and honest. Well, a few months later, we started seeing shouting matches and screaming matches, people and we get people together. Hey, what the heck's going on over there? Well, I was being open and honest and we're like, oh, okay. Uh, What we meant was open, honest and constructive.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But
1: that's what the power of some of this stuff lies in, which is, you know, and, and I think in this era of we're having a hard time talking about politics, we're having a hard time talking about racism, we're having a hard time around talking around diversity, maybe the bigger thing is not that topic. It's how we learn to talk about hard stuff. Yes. Like, and for me in my world, it's, you didn't make your number. Your boss isn't really happy or you're not happy with your employee. Like, let's talk about how do we get here and how can we get out of it, right? So that's, yeah. it's always, unco- I mean, I've lived a career talking about uncomfortable stuff. I've had uncomfortable stuff personally. You've had it too, personally yeah. and professionally. You,
0: you and I have had some uncomfortable conversations. That's right, like it,
1: yeah, it's, yeah. that's right. And so how do we navigate that? And the, and the knee jerk, the human knee jerk that I've seen most of my career is, I'm not gonna do this because I'm gonna get an emotional reaction that I know I don't think I'm prepared to handle. So yeah. I'm not gonna go there. I'm just going to skirt around it or passive aggressively try to go through the channel here. And to me, and this is, you know, I gave my first talk on, um, you know, diversity that I've ever given in the last year and it was all around this, the capacity to talk about hard stuff. And I think that's something every company should focus on, but that's why we talk about culture because we know there's going to be disagreements. We know people are going to see things differently. So let's develop a framework that facilitates us getting through that right? And that's the, that's the why. And it's usually around, uh, because McKinsey told us it's important. So we got to do, or the, uh, the Stanford MBA courses, we got to have a good culture or, Oh, look at Google. they got to, you know, and don't do it because other people told you or some school did. If, if you want to build a great organization, whatever it is, two people, 10,000 people thinking about how to, how to do that in a world of, Inevitable human collisions, okay, and disagreement is really, really a worthwhile undertaking. Yeah. And so that's why right now we've got this whole new landscape that's been presented to us. How are you going to address that? Because we had, you know, many companies had years and years of offsites and, oh, this is what it is. And now, guess what? We're up, we're upside down. We're hanging by our ankles from the ceiling. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How the heck
1: are we going to create value?
0: And so it's not so easy, right? I'm going to ask you something, Steve. Uh, mm-hmm. This is more of a personal question, but not about like, not, don't, I'm not trying to get too personal here, but, um, COVID you're, 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 you're a family guy like myself and COVID. I don't think, I don't know that it, I don't know that people have thought about this that live in the professional world, but COVID also caused us to reassess our culture in our, in our personal life. Mm. It allowed us to, we had, we, it forced us not allowed us. It forced us i think you and i both know people who were married that were professional and then all of a sudden now we're spending instead of two and a half three hours a day with each other now they're spending Mm -hmm. 24 hours a day with each other um some people found out that they didn't really like the person they were married to (laughs) or they Um, didn't know
1: they didn't know they didn't even (laughs) know
0: yeah they didn't know they didn't know about their kids they didn't know their kids were struggling in school they didn't know Mm -hmm. like you know, these things. So it forced a reassessment of our, our personal culture, right. Cause the culture can be in anything. It's in the neighborhood, yeah. it's the city, it's the, you know, where, wherever. Right. So I, I almost wonder if there isn't some sort of reflection back in that, because, um, you know, you did, I, I know you, you, I'm not going to put your personal business out there, but you've talked to me about, you know, from a parenting standpoint and how your dad and what, it, you know, how you, you know, you assess this and I did the same thing. Heck, I'm moving to a whole nother country because of it, because I I I reevaluated my culture and my family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think I almost wonder if there's not lessons to be learned from what we've done at home of now applying that in, you know, in, in our, in our office or, you know, on our team, um, because the same grace that I've got to give my wife now that I'm now around her 24 hours a day, seven days a week with three kids running around the house, there, there's gotta be a bit of grace and change now to knowing that, like we said, we're not the only ones doing this. So you're going through this as well. You're on the other end of this and your life is madness, just like mine is. And you're looking at me and just glad you're not talking to somebody who you're related to. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at you thinking, I'm glad I'm talking. I'm, I'm not talking to somebody I'm related to right now. And I'm having an adult conversation that doesn't involve my kids.
1: Yeah, and and uh let me expand on what you just said. So I think if we don't we have a moment in history and, and moment in time in our lives right now, which if we don't take advantage of, shame on us, which is we all had a window into each other's personal lives more than we've ever had. I don't I don't care what you do, you know more about the lives of your coworkers, your employees, your boss than ever before. You saw your boss have to negotiate with her husband to have the dining room table be her office. (laughs) or Like you saw, whoa, you know, I've never had to see my CEO, you know, in an uncomfortable spot at home. Or, you know, you saw how someone talked to their child and you're like, whoa, that's definitely not how I would talk to my children. Like, whoa, I saw a window and we know each other more. And we've had something which our grandparents had And our parents had, which is we now have had a shared experience on a global scale, which used to bond us, which used to be community. Like we all were seeing the same shows on TV. There was three, you know, three channels. When I grew up, that was it. My sister and I would fight over who would go and change the channel. No, I did it last time. You do it now. You're telling your
0: age here, Steve.
1: Yeah, right. And so, but we had the shared experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. gone away. I can I can dive into my YouTubes, my Netflix, whatever. I'm watching something I don't even know. That's why the, these things like Ted Lasso, yeah. why are they meaningful? Because we're all watching it. We're, for me, like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, we're all my whole team, we were watching Survivor. Yeah. So much so that like, we had like the immunity idol. Like who yeah, was going to – we all voted on who was getting voted off that week. It was just – it was great. And now we have this moment. Where we're all going through this together. And, yes, it's hard. And, yes, lives have been lost. And it's tragic, but it's also tragic if we don't take advantage and carry this forward, you know, and, and, and find that the, the merging of home and life that we've seen, which was a hostile takeover by the pandemic, like through those two together. Yeah. And maybe there's a beauty that we can realize better than what we had before a lot better. And it's going to take time and, and we're not going to, you know, realize it overnight, but let's, Let's be open to that possibility, right? And that's the yeah. thing that I'm, I'm fighting right now is this inertia. Go back to what we know and control. And, and for leaders, my power base is based on the structure that we used to have. Why do I want to entertain a new one, Steve? And, and they're not telling me this, but I'm reading between the yeah, yeah, lines. Like yeah. what you're saying is you don't know that you're going to be as valuable in that new yes. design structure. So you are going to resist And the worst resistance is passive aggressive because they say "Mm -hmm -hmm," and they don't do it. Right. And I've been guilty of that sometimes in my career. So I shouldn't get on my high horse. But that's what we're facing right now is this inertia. And human nature likes consistency. And, but we also are more open to change when everything is changing, right? At home and at work. But, but yes, yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and for me, I had, I think I told you about this on a phone call we had earlier today. Something happened to me today that I haven't done in a long time. It's like I'm I'm refusing to meet with people in person. I'm like no, I don't want to do not I don't have any um you know yeah no not like yeah yeah no COVID related yeah, fear. i yeah, just yeah. like no, I just like to flip it on, flip it off. Like I'm not yeah. parking, yeah. I'm not having to get dressed, you know, I'm not having to shower. Like no, I don't want to do that. And it just hit me today. I was like wow, I just these two people are I would both be very interested in meeting with them, but I don't want to. I just yep. want to do it like this,
0: yes, yes, you know? no, absolutely, absolutely. And it's very much this opportunity to just when we dig ourselves out of the rubble, right? When we dig ourselves out of this thing it it's almost like uh you know a- after every disaster I've seen as as i'm forty one years old and and I've seen different disasters from tornadoes to earthquakes to hurricanes, to something as horrific as 9-11. And 9-11 happened, and not to get like all sentimental or really connected, but I think there is something to this. When 9-11 happened, I remember the energy in people following 9-11. I I was just kind of starting my work career, and Mm -hmm. I remember, like I even get the hair on my arm right now stands up when I think about, not just an American, not just like, oh, we're gonna get these people. And it was like, okay, we're gonna come like this is what we do. Humans are resilient. And we're gonna like it's all it was almost like it took that smack in the face to like say, okay, let's take a breath here. We just went through the dot com or the dot com bubble was about to happen, you know, all that. Like it's all that's like, let's take a deep breath and let's figure out how we're gonna do this. And let's move forward. And I think that is where we're at of this. Like we're going to make it. We're going to figure this out. We've got great people here to help us. People are going to step up just like in times of an emergency. Everybody becomes a paramedic. Everybody becomes an ambulance. Everybody becomes a cook and a caretaker Mm -hmm. with that's what we do. So Mm -hmm. I think embracing that in some way of putting it together, um, and not to kind of put it out there, but like that whole survival guide of like, now that this happened, it happened yeah. to us. There is no running from it. How do we, how do we build that? And I think a piece of that survival guide is how do we build that culture? Does it even matter? I think that's even probably, I don't think we're going to answer the question. Can you have culture? I think it's, a, I think what we're doing is actually going to just change the conversation. Do you even need to worry about it right now? Do you need to be spending time on culture, or do you need to be spending time on your people? Because I think those are two different things. Uh huh. Well, I think um, if you spend time with your people in whatever
1: capacity that is, that is going to land you. Yes. In yes. the culture. I mean, yes. the, we had a conversation a number of episodes ago. We were struggling in the early days of Lincoln. We just couldn't recruit, so it forced us to realized that culture could be a competitive advantage and that was it. But the question we asked was, why does anyone want to work here? And in retrospect, that really was a question of like, what's our culture? Why does anyone want to work here? Like what, when in a career candy store, of Silicon Valley, why would anyone want to go there? And then it brings up everything. How are you rewarding people? How are you treating people? What is the expectation? What's the upside? What's the benefit? And many of those answers you can achieve without money. Like many of the cultural dimensions, you know, how much how much is developing your people important to you? How much is moving people around important to you or not important to you? Or how thoughtful do you want to be? And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll add on to what you just said, Shane, which I think, I hope our listeners really replay because you, you just gave some really great advice. And I had three clients in the last week I'm talking to and they're just, oh God, we're losing our people, man. This is really hard. You know, we're losing more people, it's harder to recruit people. Um, I'm you know, one CEO, you and I were talking, it's like I'm not seeing, I've seen my leaders are like deer in the headlights. This is really hard stuff. And yet, when I asked the question each time, well, how's business right now for you? Oh gosh, we're killing it right now. We're just growing market share, you know, uh, you know, stocks improving, you know, the value of the company's improving. And yep. I said, I want you to listen to what you just Explain to me. Well, first, everyone's going through what you're going through right now, dealing with the talent shortage and and trying to understand the new psychology of the workforce. That's why I wrote my book, Workquake. But at the same time, look what you just said. In an increasingly frenetic, unpredictable, seemingly chaotic, more fluid employee population, you're realizing greater success, (laughs) but you're feeling like failure because you've defined success by people got to stay here a long time. Maybe, maybe you can, maybe you're looking at that problem the wrong way. Maybe we start with, are we winning? Yeah, we're winning. Are the people that left going to do cooler, better, neater stuff? Yeah. Maybe that's a win for us and for them. Maybe we prepared them for greater things. Maybe we can recruit based on how good people are after they're here, not based on how short they're staying. You
0: know what I'm saying? Maybe like we're like, winning because we got rid of those people. Maybe they were slowing right. us down. Maybe they that's were. Right. Yes. All, all those things. All that's those right. things. That's Absolutely. right. And maybe
1: we undervalued new people with new ideas coming in and solving problems from a different perspective. And maybe that's more valuable than someone doing the same thing for three to five years getting a little stale, getting a little tired, yeah, playing a little what I call career defense. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, Matt, it. It
0: changes from one organization maybe, to the next. Maybe your culture becomes okay. You're not allowed to work here any more than 24 months in these roles. Maybe, like, maybe, like, there's, there's all these things that it's that time and it's that time to break out the petri dish and start putting samples down and see what grows. And exactly, see, yeah, and see, and see exactly what, what was the article that that I, I think you sent uh, it to
1: me? Two million yes.
0: retirees,
1: unexpected yeah. retirees, and that's yeah. just. I mean, we're still in it, Shane. And My wife and, and I were talking today. We're yes. like, we're going to be wearing masks for at least another year, maybe two. Like, we're not through this, you know. Yeah. And yeah. two million retirees, and we're just starting. Like, yeah. whoa! And yeah. what was what was the? Do you remember what some of the the ex, or the attempts yeah. to explain that out were?
0: I think I think some of them were kind. Of, I think it's because it's still early. They're still trying to pull the data. They have the data of the number, but it's trying to figure out the why. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it had to do with um, an older um demographic not wanting to go back into a place of of work where this their health um is at risk at a greater risk um some of it was the market has done so well that they realized they were able to retire early over the last um you know the last 14 15 months um you know so there's a lot there's some you know the, the the this the you know i think those things are just um on the surface I don't think they, Mm -hmm. I think there's, I think those things play a part, right? Like a person, you know, there's, there's an ancillary part to this. And, you know, I think this definitely gets into probably our next episode, I think, and we'll, um, you know, kind of hit on it. But I think, you know, the question then becomes if a person is leaving because they don't want to put their health at risk, are they leaving because it's not possible for them to do their job anyway? Are they leaving because their direct report? told them, Oh, no, we're not doing remote. I don't trust you. We're not going to do it. We could do it, but we're not going to do it. So that person said, well, I'm just not going to you know like, you know, are they, are they retiring because they have to, or are they retiring because their leaders or their place of employment didn't make quick enough, didn't make adequate changes? You know, like, like you're, we're, listen, I think a lot of times and rightfully so, Employees and individual contributors definitely get scrutinized. And I think it goes the other way too. But as a leader, you're not, I don't, I, I personally don't believe you're not immune to criticism when it comes to judging your actions and what you say and the reason that you said them. Right, it's one thing to say I don't know if we're going to go back to work full time. I don't know if we're going to go back in the office. It's another thing to say we're not going to do it, and you're doing it, and you're saying that because you don't trust the people that you've hired and you've trained. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a difference there. But I think I do think it's another episode. Um, I, I, yeah, but yes, you're right. Like it's it's there's so many layers to this, and that's why I love having this conversation. Is we can we can go so many different ways with this. So I think, absolutely. I
1: think, well, what do we got coming in the feed there, Shane? Any of the uh, questions look like they're yeah, we'll, worth we'll us commenting on or, or, or I thoughts. think they're all worth commenting
0: yeah. on. I think we'll see uh-huh. if they're relevant right now. Um, we'll pick out two questions here that have kind of come in and, um, before we kind of wrap it up, um, what it, so Callum, I'll actually put it on the screen here, uh, for those of you that are tuning into the live version of it here. Whoa, this um, is fancy. You can do hey, that, Shane. That's oh, pretty yeah. cool. Hey Hey, now, you are the man. Oh well, (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, So, what is your opinion on benefits like free gym memberships or other parts of "quote unquote" company culture that encourages employees to do things that make them healthy and happy while not always at the office?
1: Well, my perspective on that is there's wellness is one of the most important things that people should be thinking about and. Healthy body, healthy mind, and it's to me. Um, if I'm doing that, I better also be backing that up with trying to curb downtime for people, making sure that we're turning systems off. Like gym memberships, fine, but when you're asking me to go, it's you know 7 p.m. Sunday night to be on a Zoom. Like, come on, man. Like, yep. that doesn't fly, right? So, absolutely, I think those things are those things are healthy uh having built onsite gyms and then having to talk to the field offices go hey we don't have an onsite gym and you you know give us the membership and you're like yeah but you don't have to walk through the halls and face the ceo when he's cranky like you got to benefit being out there in the field like yeah. we got to deal with that over here so but i do think that that's a that's some you know wellness related and helping people and giving per- people
0: permission to have the time to do that
1: is almost more important than yeah. the the gym membership
0: right yeah yeah absolutely All right, um, one more here. We will go with uh, John Lee. It's kind of a statement, really, and kind of brings up an interesting point. So great conversation, guys. One angle on culture is that how we behave is a mix of our individual personality, our organizational culture, and our national culture. When we talk about wanting to quote-unquote win in U.S. culture, winning, i.e. survival of the fittest, plays a big part in how we work. Whereas Steve mentioned earlier, that's what he wants to do. He wants to win. Whereas in other national cultures that are less quote unquote survival of the fittest like Nordics or the Netherlands having a quote unquote winner takes all mindset might not work as well.
1: Yeah. So yes, John, absolutely. And this is why leadership is so hard. This is why, (laughs) this is why they don't pay us enough. And not only do you have variety in national culture, you have variety in US regions, yeah, re- oh. regions of Europe. And and you know, I, I'm a big believer in microcultures are okay. You know, and and that's it's a it's a good it's a good worthy discussion. But sometimes I've found when I start talking about what you bring up, John, uh, with my senior executives, they start looking at me like uh, don't make this more complicated please you know i just i just want to i want to do this as simply as possible and it's not a simple topic obviously but i think we have to we have to have an openness and a respect that local dimensions are really important if people are going to do their work in local arenas it's we've got to be compatible there right And I've, if you've seen, I know you've seen some of my TikToks, John, and thank you for for checking in here, but I've mentioned a whole bunch of stories on my TikTok around, you know, I'm sitting over there in Asia and something comes in from the U.S. headquarters and I'm just like, that is not going to work over here at all. Um, Even things like performance management or ratings distribution or, you know, know, performance based bonuses in South Korea, it was just kind of like organ rejection, like, no, we we work, we win and lose as a team. I'm like, really? And I've had, I've told stories on on this podcast around my awakening in China when you know we were in a lawsuit with Cisco against Huawei, which is partially owned by the Chinese government, maybe fully owned. And our employees at Cisco, we felt Huawei was was infringing on our intellectual property. Our employees, when we sued them, were like, "Why are you doing that?" We're like, "Because we're taking bread off your table." They're taking bread off your table. They're like, "No, they're not." I was like, whoa, okay. I completely don't understand the culture here yep. relative yep. to the hierarchy yep. of loyalty and things like that. Yep. But it is, it is not a simple exercise. And I think that's why my bias is to be open to microcultures, be open to a diversity, but try to settle on your core you know, as much as you can. And winning, maybe winning isn't the right word that I would use in the Nordics. Maybe is like, let's, let's thrive. Let's realize the best that we can be, you know, and that the, don't we want to do that? Like, why are we spending all this time unless there's something worth spending the time yeah. on?
0: Yes. You know, yeah.
1: like, I don't want to spend yeah. all this time to have some sort of mediocre B result. I want to be yeah. making a yeah. wave.
0: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Absolutely absolutely yeah. i think this i think this whole live thing this whole live experiment was good i think awesome. it was uh i got to
1: find a way so i can see the the comments and see who's coming in so we got to figure out how to how to do that
0: yeah i'll, I'll um, i think i'll i'll, I'll show you I'll, I'll okay set you, i'll set all you up so right. um yeah man this is uh it's been great i think we'll have to definitely do this again i think maybe we'll bring some guests in i think we're trying to line get our first guest up for next week um you and i both know him uh, we won't leak it out there yet but you and i both know him and um great I think, uh, I think he's he's doing some really cool stuff so we'll, we'll get him out there i know he's watching too because he he liked in earlier so oh, awesome. um yeah so uh yeah it's been great but i appreciate yeah, it has. Uh, this has been good it's sometimes you know it goes in different directions and i think that's a good thing so it is
1: a good thing and so let me close here uh this is steve cadigan with shane howard uh, and you're listening to the work week after hours. We try to get an episode out a week just talking as if we were sitting in a picnic table, park bench, uh, at a bar, just talking about stuff that's topical right now. We hope you found it interesting. We hope you let your friends know about it. Please share, like, uh, give us a thumbs up on whatever podcast service you listen to. And if you got ideas on things that you'd like us to dive into, by all means, let us know. Cheers.